0: Welcome to another episode of Web Dev Weekly, the weekly podcast about web development. I'm Richard Gottlieber. And I'm Brad Garropy.
1: And this week, we've got a very special guest on the show. His name is Brian Morrison. Now, Brian's like a super talented web developer, and mostly because I feel like he does it all. Uh, He does front-end, he does back-end, he knows really complicated stuff like AWS, he runs communities, makes content... But most important to today's episode, he's a gamer. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Brian Rich, for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the uh, fantastic intro there. Hey, uh, I I just have a very high esteem for you. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I wanted to invite you on because I've heard a lot of buzz and used uh, a project that you have recently put out into the world called Guardian Forge. Why don't we start there, you know, just what is Guardian Forge and uh we'll get into some questions. Sure. So, um Guardian Forge is a, a web-based application hosted completely in AWS serverless that is designed to allow players of the game Destiny 2 uh to take snapshots of all the equipment they have on their current character. And basically create a shareable link that they can send to uh, anyone they want to. And this could include uh, different people that they play with. If they're in the area of content creation, they can share it with their, their viewers. They can share it on on Twitch streams and uh, stuff like that. So it makes it very easy to to, to share your build. Because build and destiny are, are very important for certain activities. And they can get fairly
0: complicated um, if you're trying to accomplish certain things in the game. I'm going to claim ignorance here for Destiny 2. I'm aware that it's a game. I play lots of other games, but I have never touched the Destiny franchise. So can you can you give us just a, like, TLDR, what is Destiny 2? Sure, so I, I like to
1: describe Destiny as Call of Duty in space with magic. It is a first-person shooter game, so if you've ever played any any of the Call of Duty games, it's a very similar uh, game style, but you also have different abilities um which can change the way the game the game plays whether it's you know if you're in a pvp type activity player versus player the opponents using abilities on you or you using your abilities on the opponents but also uh certain enemies in the the pve player versus enemy are like kind of the ai enemies um they have different abilities that can be used against you too uh it's also a looter shooter which means uh for almost every activity you perform in the game you're going to be rewarded with some kind of gear Uh, that could be weapons armor shaders which change the color of your character and different cosmetics uh things like that uh so a big aspect of the game is there's a big repeatability aspect behind it where you can play the game uh, modes over and over again to try and grind for very
0: specific pieces of gear that you want okay is it kind of like world of warcraft and like you do a raid and to get a certain drop that sometimes happens
1: Now I'm going to claim ignorance because I've actually never played, I've never played (laughs) World of Warcraft, but yes, the way you described it is how it works. Certain higher higher end activities within the game will only uh, drop certain things. So it's a a very, a lot of people want to go after that stuff because those, those pieces of equipment are generally very powerful compared to the, uh, the ones you
0: get in normal activities. Okay, cool. Well, that makes sense. And then do you, one more question, do you equip your character with different items abilities based on a certain ai that you're going to fight against or is it like you know you build out like the the ultimate superhero and then you just are fairly static in your build it's kind of like the the in the former uh, uh, scenario which you described so going
1: into which i've done i've done a number of raids i'm not a big i'm not big into end game content just because i often i, I don't have as much time as i used to, to play this game but there have been instances where i when i'll go into a raid try and put a group together and say hey What should I use for this boss or the next boss or different encounters within the, the raids or, or other high-end content? Um, and depending on the, and again, depending on the the equipment that you have, it's going to make the game either a lot easier or a lot harder for you. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm curious about that because, so I picked up destiny two recently been working my way through the story missions and everything. And I haven't gotten into that build crafting aspect or or the searching for just the right weapon yet. I'm just trying to like get the next best thing. Uh, Does it really have that much of an effect? Like do the builds that you run have that much of an effect on the like efficiency of your character? Individual items do have some effect. But where the magic, so to speak, comes in is when you have a number of different items and what are called mods are a big aspect of craft building and mods. What they do is when you equip them on either your armor or your weapons, they can enhance certain uh, aspects of that piece of equipment so you can basically and that this is where builds are you stack a bunch of these things together and then the synergy behind those different pieces of equipment is what really can make a huge difference in the way the game is played and so a build then is is not just armor and not just weapons but it includes like what armor weapons mods abilities right like it's, it's everything that you can change on your character pretty much yeah a single build can can encompass uh, like you said the, the weapons and their mods the armor and their mods weapon the armor and the weapons also have certain elemental types too which play into the build and then your character actually has uh, a subclass with the different abilities based on certain elements and all of these pieces come together to to craft what is a build in the game is this? Would you say like why you're a big fan of the game? This kind of min-maxing your stuff, or do you just like the way it plays? Like, why do you feel drawn to Destiny? Um. So to answer the first question, um, I'm not. I, I traditionally have not really been huge into build crafting. Coming from more of a Call of Duty background, usually what I'm at is yeah. I wanna I wanna grab the gun, I wanna run it, and I just wanna play. Right. I don't yeah, care yeah, yeah. too much about the the nitty gritty details. But when I started getting into some of that higher uh you know higher level end game content. I realized very quickly, like how, you know, it, it, how, how dramatically it can affect the way the game is played. Thus, you know, there's where the idea of Guardian Forge came from. But it, as far as a, a general kind of why I like the, the game, gameplay is very fun and fast paced. I love very fast paced games. I don't like games that are slow. I like moving very quickly. And I like that, that extra challenge of games that move very quickly. There's also a wide selection of different activities you can play. Um, I mentioned earlier, there's PVP and PVP style content. There's also a hybrid PVP and PVE content, which can be very challenging and fun. And then also uh, like the, the raid, the higher end content, like raids, which I usually don't get to, but I like, I enjoy playing competitive player versus player two, where the stakes are a little bit higher, the rewards are a little bit better, things like that. There's a huge selection of weapons and abilities. Again, that changes the way the game plays. And then outside of the gameplay specifically. The lore is also incredible. So if you're into, you know, fictional stories and and whatnot, if you're into that kind of stuff, every single different event and character in the game has this, this massive backstory behind how they got to where they're at, where they could potentially be going. And the story writing is so excellent that there are very often events that happen in expansion two or three years ago will have ramifications in the story of what's coming up next year, so to speak. So it's interesting seeing you know, within the in-game narrative, how these different events play out over time. Yeah, I think Bungie, you know, the company that makes Destiny, is really, really good at lore and world building and things like that. Uh, One last question about the game for me. You know, you said there's PvP and PvE. I understand, you know, a build may allow you to, like, steamroll some PvE content, but when it comes to PvP or player versus player, how how do these builds affect... You know that arena. Does it make one class or one character too powerful? Right, because balance is something that's very important when it comes to competitive player versus player. Sure, and and people, but the the Destiny community is pretty huge, and they're constantly playing around with different combinations of weapons and perks and whatnot within the game. So there there have been instances in the past where a, a specific build can completely overpower, or maybe a weapon gets introduced that has, that you can equip a certain mod onto, and it, it kind of has an inverse effect because at the end of the day, games are, they're, they're just programs. They're really pretty programs, right? And bugs get introduced into these these programs as well. Um, so it, it's it's certainly a consideration. And Bungie is constantly uh, tweaking the way that the game plays. So if a certain character or a certain ability uh, kind of starts to, you know, steamroll, everything, like you're saying, they, they can get in there and they can tweak and tune the settings to kind of ramp things back and, and they're updating the game on a, on a pretty weekly basis with some different tuning and things that go on. Um, so their system, you know, from a developer perspective, I'd love to see how they do this because they can, they can change and fix things very quickly in the game.
0: To take it back to the purpose of this podcast, you know, I feel like we're starting to all nerd out on this game, which frankly sounds amazing. Uh, probably we'll have to give it a try. So if next week's episode is late, uh, thanks Brian. But I can see why given the complexity and the number of different options that you have, keeping track of those and seeing like what other people are doing could be very interesting. Right. And I think that's kind of where you started with your, with your project. Guardian Forge, is that right? Right.
1: Um, so. The story when people ask me, like, how did you come up with the idea of Guardian Forge? When I'm interested in getting into some kind of content, something that requires more than me just jumping in and having fun for a little bit of time, what I often do is I'll go on YouTube and I'll find different, you know, video people who make videos on how these different builds and how to use the builds for certain activities. And um, a couple of my favorites, I'm going to give shout outs to. uh, AstroCross is is one of my favorite uh, creators for PVE content specifically. He does a lot of reviews on the high-end PVP. And Castle's another one. These, they, he does a lot of PVP related builds. And the inspiration came from the fact that when I'm watching these videos, I'm often not kind of sitting down and taking notes. It's usually kind of off to the side while I'm doing something like doing dishes or, you know, straightening the house up, something like that. So I'm like, I I can't retain all of this because these builds, I mean, throwing a number off the top of my head, a single build can have a combination of probably between 20 to 30 items right? That all work together. So it's like, I can't remember everything that this guy talks about in his video. So I'm like, wouldn't it be awesome if they like, there was just a PDF or some kind of report. I could just drop, here, here you go. Here's a list of everything I've used. And that was kind of the inspiration behind Guardian Forwards. It It's, is I wanted to create a way for these content creators, specifically at the time, it's, it's kind of more, morph beyond that, but I want a way for content creators who explain these builds to do certain things can, can just show everything they have in the video in one single view, along with any kind of notes they, ha- they, they have, and that, that's really where the idea stemmed from. It's morphing more now into something of a social network-esque project, as I've added things like upvoting. Um, I'm working on creating collections of builds so where people can, can like put a bunch of them together for like what's called a fire team in the game. So if you have three, four, six people going into an activity, you'll be like, hey, this is the best combination that all the players can possibly use to tackle this activity. Um, and I'm also building things like comments and ratings and things like that into the into the app right now. Was was Guardian Forge the first app of this type or did you have competition when you you know started? Did you even do any market research right? Like this is where we get into like product development a little bit. When you came up with this idea were are like I don't care I'm going to build it or did you go check check out other options? I did look for other options. I you know getting outside of the whole development aspect. I mean I'm I'm a full-time employee. I got a full-time job. I've got a wife and kids, family, all that stuff. Right. So it's like, I don't, I don't have a lot of time to be working on side projects if there, if it doesn't make sense to work on side projects. So usually if I want to start diving into something and taking something seriously, I'll do some, some searching just to find out, Hey, is there another tool that does what I'm trying to accomplish that I can use instead? And it became very apparent quickly that no, there is nothing like this out there. At least not that I'm aware of until this date. There are plenty of other third party, uh, destiny applications, um, other developers, which I, I didn't even know this until after I kind of was welcomed into the third party destiny developer community, that there are a ton of different apps and projects and things that people have put together out there to help, to help from outside of the game. But there was nothing specifically that lets you craft a build and easily share it out to somebody. So that was like really my main goal. So I want to, I want to take this one idea create a build, share it out with people. And I just want to, like, make it as quick and streamlined as I possibly can. You know, I know for games like Diablo that have a very build build crafting meta in them, applications like this exist. So it's, it's cool that Destiny is kind of coming into this light as well. So when you were getting into trying to build it, how was the like the api support right because at the end of the day you're going to need to be talking to destiny and i know destiny has this other thing called like destiny item manager where like applications can actually change items on your character in the game so they must have had some kind of api support how did you go about finding that exploring the destiny api was was not terribly difficult to get started they've got a full uh set of documentation around their what they call the Bungie.net API that you can use to kind of get started there, there are certainly some elements of it that can be improved, but really that's, that's true of all documentation. I feel, but for the most part, getting access to the system wasn't terribly difficult, trying to sift through it proved to be more challenging. Logically, as an API developer, I would have expected an API endpoint, like get a character with this ID and then just have it kind of spit out everything that's equipped all this stuff, right? However, Bungie's API operates very differently. So. You can get some very basic information about the different entities within the game, such as the character or guardian as they're called in the game. But when I hit that API endpoint, what I noticed is instead of pulling back a bunch of data that I recognized, it literally spit out, almost was like a collection of different hashes. It was literally just random numbers and letters that were like listed in arrays, right? So I'm like, what the hell do I do with this? What I, the way I was able to kind of decipher it and sift through it is I used the tool you had mentioned earlier, along with a couple of other third-party tools, and I analyzed the network traffic within Chrome to try and almost reverse engineer how they were pulling this data in. So through all this work, I mean, it, this probably took me a couple of days of trying to decipher this. What I discovered is, is Destiny's API works very heavily with what they call the manifest file. It's a, it's a giant JSON file that you download that describes everything in the game at any specific point in time so um this includes things like different achievements you can get in the game all the different potential combinations of perks and weapons what can be equipped with them you know how different tiers that uh, of, of different activities in the game i mean it literally includes definitions on almost everything so the rest of the time was trying to decipher like if i have a certain hash what does this mean and how does it how can I reconstruct the data to make it represent what I'm trying to represent? And even in talking with some other developers from the Destiny community, this is this is generally the most uh, difficult part of trying to build something around Destiny. It's just because it's it's a very unique approach to, to getting all that data. And to put things in perspective, that JSON, if you wanted to sync, you can request specific what are called manifest components, which are like subsets of the manifest file. But if you took the whole thing, it's like 133 megabytes, which is huge for a a JSON file. (laughs) So there's there's a lot of information in there to sift through. So it sounds like they have documentation, but it was nowhere near what you needed to get the job done. Well, that's the thing is they had documentation on the API, but there is no documentation about the manifest itself. So it really was just a matter of going in and trying to like okay, I have, I have the response from the API with all these hashes. Now let's match them up inside of the manifest and try to find how it all connects together. And I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna actually plug a tool that I use because I've never heard of this tool before. I've never seen anything like it before, but it was immensely helpful in, in this process. It's called um, Dadroit JSON Viewer, D-A-D-R-O-I-T. It, trying to open that giant JSON file in VS Code, locked it up. Sublime Text, locked it up. Browser, locked it up. Dadroid opened it like nothing instantly. And it created a nice tree view of all the elements in that JSON file. So I wanted to real, I wanted to plug that app because it's, it's, it was hugely, it was, it was immensely helpful in this process. Sweet. And so it sounds like nobody has made an SDK for this API to just make all this easier and solve this problem for everybody. And I'm not claiming that I might have something in the works on that, but, uh, you know. I, am that type of developer. Like if an API is hard to work with, I'm like, screw this. I'm writing an SDK before I'm building anything on top of it. Right. I did that. I'm totally going a little bit off topic here, but I, I did that with, um, Fauna. I found their FQL language a little bit troubling to work with for basic applications. So I wrote, I, I wrote a wrapper that I still use to this day, just for doing basic CRUD operations to a, to a Fauna database. Yep, for sure. I literally did the exact same thing. (laughs) Okay, so you proved that it's possible, right? You you investigated their API. You could get some information. What's next? Like, what, what? talk about the rest of the stack, what kind of requirements you had in mind for this thing, and and really how you built it out. So one of the things that I do whenever I take on a new project is I try and throw something new into the mix that I've never worked with before, and it kind of pushes my boundaries as a developer to like try and understand new technologies. I'm also a huge fan of AWS. This is going somewhere, I promise. So in AWS, I've worked a lot with serverless, but I, what I wanted to try and do is I wanted to try and work more with a service called LightSail, which is more or less a, a nice wrapper around EC2 instances or virtual machines up in it's, AWS.
0: That's basically like DigitalOcean on AWS, right? Correct. Correct Same principle. principle. Good Good comparison. We're,
1: okay. if, Comparing it to something like, um, if you're going directly to EC2 instances, you can create up a number of, of virtual machines. You can create load balancers. You set all your networking rules. LightSail simplifies that a lot. It's mm-hmm. using the same, same components underneath the covers, but it creates a better interface for, I, I want to click a button and get a server. I don't want to go yeah. through all the process of, you know, doing all the heavy lifting I want AWS to do it for me. Okay. Um. Okay, so back to the question about stack. So I had already decided that I wanted to use LightSail as my kind of API server. I also decided to use Go because I was still fairly new to learning Go and I really wanted to like push my understanding of it. So it's like what better opportunity than to build a full-blown API that I want the public to use because it's going to really make sure that I've, you know, got all my T's crossed and my I started or however that phrase, how it's saying goes. I I spun up an instance in Lightsail to get all the API and the database and everything all working. I use DynamoDB for the for data storage, and then the front end was originally built in Vue, and that's host that was hosted in AWS's S3 uh, service, mm-hmm. which is just used for for simple file storage. I put in a CloudFront uh, CDN instance in front of that just to speed up the, the page load times for for that because you know front end the statically generated front end apps are all static files, so they're very easily distributed to a CDN. Oh, let's see. What else did I I have? I I also have API Gateway, which was doing some kind of reverse proxying and giving me that HTTPS support on the API without me having to actually build it. So that was quite helpful. Well, this is interesting to me because I may not have picked like a a static site per se, right? Users are uploading builds and and generating content on your website. Are you saying that you're statically building out all these pages before you deploy the website or is it a React app or... Or is it a view app that loads up and then makes uh, AJAX requests to grab the data after the application's loaded? Uh, the latter of the two that you described. So I'm okay. uh, I like I like keeping front ends and back ends decoupled. I'm not a huge fan of the server side rendered approach. That might just be because I've I formerly have worked on ASP.NET and MVC apps, and I'm not a huge fan of working on those. So sure, I, sure. I really have no interest in going back and exploring those further. Oddly enough, we've been talking a lot on this podcast about how things may be moving back towards server-side rendering, but that's a that's a whole conversation for another episode. But I feel you there. So now you've got this view application. Did you use any kind of uh, framework for it? You know, Nuxt or Gridsum or anything like that? Uh yeah, there's an interesting story behind the front end. So I used I used Vue, just a, a plain vanilla view, if you want to call it vanilla view <laughs>
0: uh
1: application. I didn't have anything else on top of that. I used some of the basic uh view components like View Router, View X for, for state management and things like that. But no frameworks on top of it. And then I had decided I wanted to launch a blog and and a documentation site around it, but I also I wanted everything kind of consolidated into a single code base. So I I went down the route of working on on GridSum, which is a static site generator f- built in view. Eventually, he actually came back to using Gatsby, and I, I traditionally, for anyone who's seen me on the internet knows I kind of, I like to poke fun at the React versus Vue debate, and I like to take the Vue side, so it's ironic that I now I'm using React for building my application, which, for the record, I, I do quite enjoy. I think Gatsby is absolutely great for documentation-style websites. It makes it so easy to source stuff from a markdown file and, and
0: route and just kind of do whatever you want. Sure. Very easy. So. I know Brad mentioned users like uploading their builds and everything. Looking at the app itself though, it says log in with Bungie. Mm-hmm. So how did you do authentication? And that's going to lead into a question of like, do you actually upload builds or does it pull builds from your account?
1: Okay. So two part question authentication. Uh, Bungie provides OpenID connect OAuth. So I actually leveraged their authentication system instead of rolling my own. I wanted a way for, I mean, the nice thing is if I can get the, the the tokens, if I can get the access tokens from Bungie and I can pass them back to their API, that means when a user uses my application, they also have access to all of their data on Bungie's side. So I don't have to do any kind of funny stuff to, to do, to work with that. Can I, can I interject here? Sure. This is a, this is a part of building applications that has always confused me, right? You're leveraging somebody else for authentication you're authenticating with Bungie and you're getting back some kind of token, like you're saying, do you have a separate users table, users database that you are associating like an email with this token or their builds with this token somehow? Like how do you make the connection from your data to Bungie's data and Bungie's authentication? Yeah. So that was kind of the next part of where I was going with this Uh, inside of the API, which is all built using Lambda functions. I completely didn't even mention Lambda functions earlier, but the evolution of the app, I, I don't, well, I no longer use light and in, in EC2 instances or, or, you know, the virtual machines, everything is now all serverless functions built using go Lambda functions. So I actually have a, um, it's kind of like a piece of middleware, even though it's not true to set up like a traditional piece of middleware in an API. But what it basically do, do it does is for authenticated calls any anything where I want to add any kind of level of security behind it. It'll take in the token in the normal HTTP headers as they come to the, to the API. And then it will actually call one of Bungie's APIs to validate that that user exists. And one of the nice things about that API response is it returns the user's unique identity as part of the the payload that comes back to my app. So to answer the question, yes, I do have a user's table, so to speak. I'm using a DynamoDB single table uh, uh, schema design, but there is a partition that does contain user information, but I don't the only thing that I, I'm I'm using that unique identifier from Bungie side in order to match it up to the user and what information
0: they should pull down. Right. So you're on Lambda now with Go. How did you find the process of developing Lambda functions? So I
1: do have background with Lambda. I've done a lot with them, but mostly with JavaScript is, is where okay. I kind of started. I found there were very few resources to learn how to create Go Lambda functions. So a lot of it was begrudgingly going through AWS's documentation, you know, their, their documentation is decent once you kind of understand how to navigate it, but it is definitely not for the faint of heart. And it, it takes a little while to, to kind of dissect. So I used a lot of their documentation in order to figure out how to put this whole thing together.
0: Okay. Yeah. I was just asking because I have a Lambda function that interacts with uh, my Twitter feed and I don't know, the whole process of like zipping up the function and sending it to Lambda and hoping for the best. And maybe, maybe I'm doing things wrong, but it was a, a rough feedback loop. (laughs) Sure. Um,
1: doing it in that way, it's definitely rough. It's, it's a, it's a strange way to do it and it makes very little sense. However, there are a lot of tools orchestration tools built around Lambda, which certainly simplify those things. Like one of the tools that I use to deploy out my backend which is not just my Lambda functions, but my entire backend stack up to AWS is called AWS SAM. SAM stands for serverless application model. And what it is, is it's a CLI that you run locally and it allows you to create an an API. It allows you to run an API like you would any standard, uh, like, you know, Node Express app, right? You could fire up the API, test your calls to it, make sure everything's working right. So it gives you the capability to run your Lambda functions locally, at least for the API portion of it. And then on the back end what it does is it uses cloud formation up in AWS which if anyone is not familiar with cloud formation it allows you to consolidate resources within AWS to a single uh, code base or definition and then it orchestrates the process of deploying all of your your pieces of infrastructure out to AWS with you not really having to do any kind of heavy lifting with that and it's the kind entire
0: of like terraform or something yes. like that
1: okay. yes Ter- terraform is a good comparison it's like terraform or um, GitHub actions is another good comparison okay. where you can automate deployment of all those things but AWS SAM is built specifically for AWS serverless. So they do a really good job of simplifying the entire process. So instead of having to zip up and upload all my Lambda functions individually, I literally run one CLI command. It builds all the code, zips it all up, publishes the whole thing. And I don't have to touch. Like I very rarely go into AWS to do anything with the backend, unless I'm trying to debug something and I need to look at the logs.
0: Okay. So it sounds like it was more, uh, a error between keyboard and seats and not necessarily AWS itself. Well, AWS is a monster. I mean, let's not
1: beat around the bush. The way that I've going into the AWS conversation, I often tell people, like, if you want to learn AWS, like pick a service and learn that service. Last I checked, there were over a hundred and some odd different services up in AWS. I don't remember the number, Uh, but there's a lot of them. And to try and just say, I want to learn AWS. Like, no, you got to get a couple of basics down and then pick something and just run with that one thing. And obviously, honestly, the learning the serverless application model is just the culmination of four to five years of studying AWS and understanding yeah. the tooling around it. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not something that I would expect anyone getting started with AWS to fully understand and grasp.
0: Yeah. It changes so much. I got my solutions architect associates certification years ago and it's expired now, but like, you know, I went, I went into AWS not that long ago and I was like, man, I, I don't know anything that's going on in here anymore. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, they changed so, a lot over
1: the last like two years, even the, the whole yeah. user interface are they're, they're like revamping all the interface for all the services too. So sometimes it's a, it's a little hard to find things like, especially if you're used to working with the older AWS UI. Yeah.
0: So you built it out, you integrated with Bungie, um, looking at the website, like it looks awesome. There's a lot of different builds out there from different users. How did you go about spreading the word that you created this tool? So I am admittedly terrible at marketing. I, I'm,
1: I'm the type I'll hop on Twitter just to, to give kind of perspective on this. I'll hop on Twitter, get super fired up about some things for like a week and then disappear for like a month and never touch it again. Right. So my marketing chops are, are nothing. I was very graciously picked up by the developer of another, of a destiny Twitter bot called destiny insights, which if you play the game follow the bot, turn on notifications. The whole point is whenever new mods are for sale in the stores, it'll send you a notification say, hey, these mods are available for sale. So it, it allows you, it, it's it's a really useful tool. But anyway, him and I got into some conversation. He randomly messaged me on Twitter and said, hey, do you have like a video or something that like shows what your your thing does? And I was like, no, should I? And he goes, yes. <laughs> so I made, I I literally like after work fired up fired up my tools and recorded a quick video and added some, some fun elements to it. Right. And shared it. And he blasted it out to his 65,000 followers on Twitter. So that, that was like the first, like that was luck. There was, you know, I, I, I claim, you know, networking certainly had an aspect of it, but I had no intention of trying to like, Hey, let's sell this thing. You know, I was still trying to get all the pieces working and put together and stuff. How did he find you in the first place? I followed him and you know, gave him some kind words about his service that he wrote. And then, you know, we were going back and forth about just some general developer stuff. And I think from that, it's, it's, it was just networking, right? It was that developer to developer connection. It wasn't through his insights account or anything. Yes. Yeah. And I was, when I was in the early process of building things regarding Forge, I was posting on Twitter almost every day. It wasn't like I I wasn't trying to market or do anything, but it's like, I'm trying to get more into the builder space, so to speak, because like, I'm a builder at heart. Like I don't, I like creating content and I like doing the marketing thing. And I like, I like getting my hands in all these different things just because technology interests me. But at the end of the day, I like writing code and I like building stuff and then saying like, Hey, look at this cool thing I built, right? I'm not trying to like make make a buck off of it or do anything fancy with it, but like, this is pretty cool. And I wanted to share it. So he picked him and I went back and forth on some of the earlier iterations of Guardian Forge and some of the decisions I had made and how some of the things work.
0: So. A pretty popular, large Twitter account sends out a link to your tool and you're on AWS. In my mind, I'm like, this is awesome, but also terrifying because it's not going to break. It's on AWS. But like, did you get a really hefty bill after that or was everything great? Everything was actually great to, to my okay.
1: surprise. A lot of people, especially when you get into serverless uh, infrastructure in AWS and probably Azure too, although I might my experience i work with azure at work but i if i had to pick one side of the coin where i'm more familiar with them 100% on the aws side like the real concern with anything serverless where there's no real cap to the amount of spending is if something goes south you could get a real heavy bill come your way um, mm-hmm. luckily <laughs> everything has 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 been okay so far and it's honestly awesome. everything that i everything has been done with Guarding Forge. so honestly the 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 amount of people coming to the site every day has has really died down I mean, I, I really didn't expect to to maintain those levels of interest because it's you know it was a point in time, but I'm still within the limits of the free tier, which is pretty
0: awesome. Okay, so so for-
1: you've never you've never paid a dime for your infrastructure, correct? I have not paid Amazing. anything for my infrastructure, which is nice. I do, for the record, have an exit plan in case anything heck goes south on it. <laughs> and how are you gathering analytics on usage on the site? Are you instrumenting any kind of eventing? Did you throw in some kind of analytics library like? How are you gauging usage? I use Google analytics for, for the site. I don't really get too hardcore into different events and things that happen. I understand the capabilities are there, but really I don't, I'm not doing any kind of intense, you know, dissecting of the way that the site is used. I'm just kind of interested, like, Hey, how are people receiving it? How many people are using it? So the only metric I really keep track of is kind of like daily users on that. And what, what are your daily users at? So looking at my analytics right now, over the past, over the past 30 days, I've gotten about 460 new users, 526 out of the, you know, total. So he's just kind of quickly scanning over, you know, the, the graph they have here. I'm probably averaging between say 25 to 40 users on a daily basis,
0: which is not terrible. Yeah. This is, I don't know. This is one of those things like in this space, it just kind of blows my mind because those numbers, when you hear them and compare them to like, you know, some sort of like the total number of Destiny players, for example, it seems very small. But then when you think about like, if you were to have a shop that you set up and you had 40 or 50 customers who came in every day, like you're doing pretty good. Yeah. And so I don't know, like, I, I think it's weird how in the technology space, numbers are so skewed to like the giants that like reasonable numbers are still like, that's awesome, dude. Like you're getting... 40, 50 people a day coming in using this tool that you built. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Thanks. And I think, I think this application has a like a very high chance to get returning users. Once somebody uploads a build there, they're going to keep coming back and keep searching it and keep using it. It's very
0: like positive feedback loop. Is right? there, so not knowing about destiny, is there a like destiny three in the works or
1: Oh, that's a funny story. Obviously, we don't know any kind of, no, Bungie's not going to share any like confidential information, right? But Bungie used to be partnered with Activision and where they received a lot of their funding from, right? So the the story, rumor, thing that no one, thing that didn't happen, but we're pretty sure that happened, happened is Activision wanted Bungie to create a Destiny 2 because their model of creating revenue off of games was not to continue to iterate a single game, yet do these big bang releases right which is why there's a new call of duty every six months the story goes but activision more or less forced bungie's hand because they were the ones with the purse strings saying you need to make destiny 2 and when they made destiny 2 it you know came out they were still with activision i think a year and a half later two years later they ended up actually splitting from activision going off on their own so there there is very likely not going to be a destiny 3 i can't say there won't be because i obviously don't work at the company but I would be—I'd be surprised if there was. However, this last major release that occurred last year in November, I think it was, is more or less unofficially Destiny Three because they rewrote a bunch of the the tooling and the engine behind it and ported a bunch of stuff into a new system. This is fairly public knowledge. So it's called Destiny Two, even though technically we're kind of in Destiny Three.
0: Okay, if that makes any
1: sense. It's all businesses,
0: business, you know, yeah. politics sitting underneath it all. The reason I was asking is because. Given, so they're doing like, I don't know, I know seasons are very popular in other games. Are they doing something like that where like new content comes out, like in kind of a continual drip still, or is it? Yes, they have, every year they have a Big Bang release
1: where they put out a major expansion and they okay. they up uproot a bunch of stuff in the game. Um, but also every three to four months they'll put out a new season, which kind of furthers some of that story narrative along, introduces some new okay. weapons, possibly reintroduces some older weapons that have since been removed from the game. And usually they come out with new activities, which is pretty nice because it, it the the content that's, that's one of the great things about this news, is on top of there always being so much to do, if you're ever burnt out on all the stuff that's to do, which would be pretty hard in my opinion,
0: you can guarantee within a couple of months, there's going to be a
1: completely new activity to jump in
0: and try. Okay. So going back to the app, this is the whole reason I was asking this. I was kind of curious, like if you see like usage, you know, come in like waves or anything like that, as this new content comes out and people, you know, drop off and something new comes out so they come back to the game and they need to know like you know what's the what's the current build space like because it sounds like that changes fairly frequently as well
1: yeah every um at at the very least every every season the the what they call the build meta within the game which Mm -hmm. is like the, the the certain key weapons and 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 uh pieces of armor that are are generally more powerful that changes at the very least every couple of months but they can do it within a weekly time frame too so To answer your question, I don't see any huge spikes on the seasonal releases, but where I have noticed user spikes is actually on the weekends when the competitive player versus player modes get turned on. Okay. At least that's my theory. I don't have any kind of hardcore data to back that up, but for the most part, things are pretty static throughout the week. The only difference is on the weekends, the, the mode called trials of Osiris, which is the hardest player versus player mode, but also rewards some of the best gear goes live on
0: friday and is live through through monday okay cool very cool so given that cost to you is basically nothing other than your time the most precious of resources yeah have you monetized this app or anything or what are your plans there so originally the original plan was i wanted
1: to kind of turn this into a business i wanted to have different paid tiers with different feature sets um i've kind of backtracked on that a little bit just because even though this is an app that I would like to generate some revenue off of, because you know, it's nice to get paid for your work. That's the way that I I look at that. It's also a passion project of mine because basically if I was making nothing off of it, I would still be building this app, right? Okay. So in order to offset some of that, I do have Google ads on there, um, mm-hmm. on some of the the main pages that a lot of people would look at, such as the build pages, I don't generate hardly anything off of that though, I mean. I did pull those numbers up and I'm, I of the lat in the last week, I've made 11 cents. So, you know, it's big money, big money, big money. In like 10 years, I'll have, I'll get paid out from Google or something like that. So it'll be nice. But I do also plan to introduce just a very low cost. It's, it's not even so much like a, hey, you're paying for an additional feature set more than you're just supporting the developer for a couple dollars a month. And all it does is get rid of ads. But I, I plan for the foreseeable future to keep any feature that I build, I don't want to pay a wallet. I want to let anybody who wants to use all the features they possibly can. And if I make money off of it, cool. If not, it's not really a big deal. As long as, not, as, long as I don't lose money. If all of a sudden those, that AWS bill oh, starts, yeah. starts hitting, i will be like, mm, okay, we're going to have to rethink the strategy a little bit. But I mean, this, this goes back to the whole, I'm, I really am a builder at heart. I'm not a business person. I used to think of myself as a business person, but I'm, I'm totally not because I just want to make other people's lives easier. Yeah, I gotcha. think one other option you should probably consider is like, just throw a donate button on there, right? I like the ads, no ads paywall, but otherwise people might not want like a, a, like a monthly type thing. Just be like, Hey, throw me a couple bucks. If you like this, you know? Yeah. There, there is a buy me a coffee link on the bottom of the page, just in nice. case people want to, but, but again, my marketing is so terrible. Like I don't push it. I don't say, Hey, you can come support me. I, I just, you
0: know, if people use it, honestly, that's enough for me. That's awesome. You always, you know, just say, you know, toss me your legendary loot that you don't want anymore, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Believe it or not, that is not a, you cannot swap gear in game. You cannot trade. That's like one of the things that, especially because I played Borderlands and I run into people that are like, here, let's trade weapons and stuff. No, there's no trading. So you are literally boxed into your own thing, which, you know what? Originally, when I started playing the game, I was like, man, that's kind of weird. Like, wouldn't it be nice to get your friends up to speed more? But it's like, no, because it actually forces, you. you can't just, Give people a bunch of high level gear and have them blow through the game. They actually have to try. Huh. So, and I, and like I've said, I said this earlier during the closer to the intro, I, I like the challenge of hard games. I don't like games being easy because otherwise it gets boring really quickly, you know? Yep. Yeah. What was the process like getting Google Ads on the website? I know way back in the day, I tried to put Google Ads on one of my websites and they're like, you don't have enough traffic. We're not going to allow you access. So that is actually a big reason why I decided to go to a static site generator for the blog content and the documentation Uh, is because, yeah, they did say the same thing. They're like, you don't have content in your website. We can't do anything about, you know, we can't promote this. So what I decided to do, that was the catalyst behind let's add a dot. Let's add some static documentation, HTML pages in here. Right. And once I added I had five pages, it wasn't a ton. And it was just a couple of pages on how to do some things within the application, which. I admittedly have kind of let go sour since, but I do want to continue to, I need to update that, but those five pages were enough to have Google approve the site and what was nice is like the first time I submitted my request to Google to approve it, it took like three or four weeks to do, but like when I resubmitted it, it, I got approval in like two days. So I'm, I'm guessing something in their system had to already know that site existed and when they, and they, they must do it faster. So if anybody else is out there trying to do it just you know that 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 strategy did work for me. Sweet, I'll keep that in mind. I want to try to put something at least on my personal website. So, you built this thing, you have a decent amount of users. Have you like talked about it in any of the Bungie communities on their forums uh and and has Bungie taken notice at all? Uh Bungie has not, not yet. Um, ah, not yet. So I'm hoping that that clicks at some point. So beyond besides the uh, the Destiny Insights account that that tweeted it out, I also have shared it in one other Discord and have shared it in one of the Destiny subreddits. And honestly, I've I've received overwhelmingly positive feedback. I mean, there are you know bugs have popped up here and there that I'm pretty quick to to take care of. Most people who use the the app say, hey, it's it's a little confusing to get started, and I I know that because there there are some things I have in the works that's going to make the site a lot easier to get people you know, up and running with it quickly. But a lot of that just comes down to lack of time between all the other stuff going on in my life. But yeah, it's been very positive. People that do f- understand how to use a site say it's it's very easy to use, it makes sense. It's good, it's well-received. Um, probably one of my favorite quotes that I've, I've seen to this, to this day that one of my users shared with me. on a, Cause he, th- this is actually, I, f- I found out just recently that some of my users have been sharing it with other Destiny Discord servers, which is pretty awesome. And he sent me a note, Says someone in the server is like, hey, this developer deserves something really nice for Christmas. And that's probably my favorite quote that I've received so far. (laughs) That's awesome. That's cool. Well, we'll make sure to tag Bungie when we release this episode, try to get you a little bit of clout over there. Hey, for sure. Appreciate it. If you don't mind, do you want to talk about roadmap a little bit? Like what else do you have planned for it? So I'm currently using... Azure DevOps um and I checked the stats on that this morning I'm at at least 80 backlog items but I hop back and forth a lot between Azure DevOps and Notion because I use I use Notion to track all my other projects so sometimes it's easier for me to just add a quick you know checklist of stuff that I want to knock out for the next week but uh there's still a lot I have on kind of in, in the works for it so currently I'm I'm in the process of building a custom build builder if that makes sense so you can Instead of having to leverage what your character has equipped, you can mix and match any combination of weapons and armor manually to create these builds. That's going to be a big deal because like currently the way that it's set up is you have to like set your character up in game, then create a build to share it. Right. So sometimes like if someone's watching a a video, they want to just quickly throw, throw it together for, for other people to share. So that's a big thing. And then I also have a lot of clan related features within destiny. Um, some background: You have these concept of clans, which are groups of players that all are kind of make up um, a larger team, right? And as a clan kind of like ticks off these different achievements throughout the week, it allows all the clan members to uh, to get different different to get more loot that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get if you're playing alone. Because a lot of clans often do the higher level content like the Trials of Osiris and the raids and things like that. The build collections feature is going to be very useful, but also I'm going to enable it so this way, if you're in a clan, you can see right away all of your clan members and all the builds that they've created in the collections that the clan leaders have have like pinned and said hey these are the these are the builds we want to use for these different activities and it's going to make it easier for those clan members that the, you know the people who are leading these teams saying like hey we're going to go do this activity let's all try and use this this build collection or you know it, it, let's all use this equipment to make sure that it does what we're trying to do here so that, that this kind of all goes back to the whole like it's it's morphing into something of like a social network of builds for destiny, which sounds really strange when I say it out loud. That's awesome. That would be a really great feature. And now is the application only on web or do you have like mobile versions of it somehow? I have aspirations to make a mobile version of it, but I would be surprised if it ever gets that point, I would have to probably be making a full-time living and not have, (laughs) not have a real job, so to speak, in order to, to get the time to make that work. I will say though, there, there's another option that's pretty easy. If you at least want Android support, make it a PWA and submit that to the Google app store. I did that for one of my apps and it was, it was a great way to just take a web app and shoehorn it onto the phone. That is not a bad suggestion. That would be
0: something else I haven't explored, which is PWAs. Yeah. Just getting it up as a PWA is also pretty easy to install it on an iphone it's not like an official application to the store but you just like tap a little button on safari and now it's full screen acts just like an app yeah i will have to i'll definitely consider that i i actually so when i created the the
1: first version of guarding forge like before it even was really published and released i was kind of bitten by the whole pwa thing because it it was like doing some really crazy caching on the files themselves and i'm like I, I don't have the time to figure out how this works. So I'm just gonna like shove it off to the side. I haven't circled back to it. So yeah, my, my tip for developing a PWA is just ignore all the service worker stuff. Don't even register them. You just include the manifest file and that's it. (laughs) It just basically takes your website and just does everything it does right on the phone. Oh, that's that's a good tip. I did not know that. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Cool. I guess my next question for you is. Is there, is there something next or do you plan on just continuing down the roadmap on Guardian Forge? Guardian Forge is my
1: focus right now, just because I have a lot of features I want to build onto it, but off, off to the side, um, there are actually a couple other things that I kind of have in the works. I'm writing a book. So, cause that's something I've been wanting to do for years. So I'm basically taking all the knowledge I've gained from building Guardian Forge and kind of like consolidating it all into an easily readable format that guides users through how
0: to build go serverless applications in AWS. That's awesome. Um, I thought considering it's November, you were going to be writing a novel in a month. And, <laughs> but that, that sounds way more, uh, useful than, than that. I don't know if yeah. you ever tried that. NaNoWriMo is, is a Oof. I tried it once did not complete. No, no,
1: I, I don't, you know, what? honestly is I like the destiny lore, I don't do fiction though. I, I don't, okay. I can't get into re even reading novels. So it's, it, it puts me to sleep. I don't know why it, it's just. It is what it is, but no, I mean, the, the, really the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm writing a book is honestly, I've wanted to do it for years, but specifically on this topic is kind of like what you had, had said earlier, like what's your experience building, building with Go and AWS. And it's like, honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't great initially. Like it took a lot to get through it. So I wanted to create something that is provides an easy kind of like guide for how people can, can do this and do it well. That's awesome. I have other, other SaaS apps that I want to get out there. Nothing really, really comes to mind right now, but I also, I want to explore contributing more to open source, helping other people out with their projects, possibly building some libraries myself. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm always kind of all over the place, which is both a blessing and a curse in my mind.
0: That's awesome. No, I didn't want not to take away from this project because it's clearly is awesome. You know, it's not that you have to always be having some new project, right? Like having a roadmap and plans for the future of your existing project is definitely fantastic. Yeah.
1: I would also add to this, that it's one of the things that has bitten me from the perspective of burnout way too many times in the past. So my mind, I'm, I'm constantly coming out with new possible ideas that can turn into applications or new aspirations to do this thing or that thing. And it's like too often I've, I put on myself, they're like, Hey, I have to be working on all this stuff. And then I hit a wall and it all goes in the garbage and I'm like, I'm done. Hmm. So. Advice for those out there who are listening to this, who do have aspirations to build all these things, focusing on Guardian Forge for like six months and not even thinking about anything else, for one, actually brought it to completion. I mean, there's, there's the long running joke out there in the dev community that side projects never actually see the light of day, which is true. And for me personally, I think it's because this reason, I think it's because if you're passionate about development, you want to know how everything works. But it detracts you from building something that's actually useful because you're always hopping from from one thing to the next. Mm. And the only reason I can say that is because that was me. And now it's just it's taking taking a lot of mental energy for me to like, hey, let's catalog all my ideas in one giant backlog that I check out every couple of weeks or something. But just stay focused on this one big project that you're working on right now until you can get it to a point where it's, hey, now we can explore one other thing, not five or 10 other things, one other thing. We'll start exploring it. That is some fantastic advice. And with that, Brian, thank you so much for coming onto the show, sharing all your knowledge about AWS, how you built guardian forge and your love for the game of destiny, I just want to give you a couple of minutes here. Do you have any shout outs, any links you want to drop anything you want to plug for yourself? (laughs) Sure. If you're interested in following my blog, brianmorson.me is where I blog very, very occasionally nowadays, especially Um, if you're, if you do play destiny and you want to check the app out, guardianforge.net's the URL that you want to use to hit that. We also, I run discord for Guardian Forge where we're testing out new, uh, new features and things, and people can provide more, more feedback and kind of get a, you know, direct communication with me. I do the YouTube and Twitter thing. All that stuff is on my blog though, but I I also wanted to shout out um, the community that I'm, I'm a big part of uh, learn, build, teach, which is run primarily by James Q. Quick, Uh, excellent discord server. If again, if you're, if you're not into destiny and you still want to find me on discord, that's the place where I hang out.
0: That is awesome. Learn build teach is definitely one of those places that I think all of us here ha- are in that discord and it's a fantastic community as well. Speaking of discord communities, besides the destiny one that Brian mentioned, we also have a discord channel for web dev weekly. The link to that will be in the show notes. If you haven't already. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and your podcast player. You can find us on Twitter. All of our handles will be in the show notes below. See you next week.